is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome everybody in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Thanks for tuning in live on this Sunday evening with us on our YouTube channel. Be sure to subscribe and like and also hit the bell notification to get notified whenever we have new content available to you. You can all stay up to date with the show when you're on the go by downloading us on your favorite podcast app. I'm your host, Dan Mater, joined here with Mr. Adam LaRue, helping me out, filling in for Chase Thornton tonight. Adam, how's it going, man? It's going good. Uh, you know, first week of playoffs, uh, some disappointing results, some very good ones, uh, you know, a, a mixed bag, but I you know. Got some bye teams remaining still, nonetheless. So, uh, <laughs> so week fourteen well, and week fifteen, the first round play was not working out the way you wanted. I'm guessing. Uh, I will take the majority of the teams uh, that I brought into the playoffs to the next round, but there's a couple that I really thought I had a chance in that I, I don't think I'll be making to the next round, um, which always sucks. But I, I should still have a, a strong handful left going into yeah. next week. I'm glad you're here tonight. Glad we're going to help everybody out, get the recap going, take what we need to take with us into the next round. Hopefully, if you're listening to this, you're watching this show, you are in position to move on to the next round, given what happens tomorrow night and the rest of the Sunday night game going on here. So what we got tonight is our heroes and zeros and our observational notes for all the Thursday night and Sunday, Saturday action up until this point, basically. So let's go ahead and dive right into our heroes and zeros. Zeros and zeros. All right. First up, let's say we got the Chargers and Raiders game and our zeros for this game. Besides Brandon Staley, who got fired as a result. That's the, probably the biggest zero of all. But Austin Eckler, five carries and nine yards on six targets, four catches and 29 yards on a night when he thought he would be the entire offense. Nothing went right. It was a negative game script. On top of all of it, because they were blown out so badly, Austin Eckler didn't wind up playing that much in the fourth quarter, which is a big reason why he didn't have success that you were hoping he would have. Thankfully, though, he did cash on our 20, our 26 and a half yard prop, but that frankly was, well, that was really about it. Oh, we got Colts fan. Colts fan coming in here, headed to my third championship. That's congratulations to you there, Colts fan. Uh, Adam, what zeros did you have in this matchup? Yeah, uh, you, you mentioned I think most of the uh, most of the big ones. I mean, it's it's all Chargers. Uh, gosh, it, it's it's tough. You know, you you got what you wanted out of most of your guys. You know, Zamir White scored. I, I guess maybe if you wanted to say Amir Abdullah, I know some people were talking about him potentially being a flex candidate, um, but everyone else that you were streaming probably over did uh you know what you expected yeah no pretty much let's let's switch gears let's go to the heroes and uh the hero big time for me was Devonte adams 12 targets eight catches 101 yards and a touchdown now i had a little mixed feelings on Devonte adams a little bit he has a great game for you he hasn't given you these type of performances the 100 yard one touchdown performances and it's nice to get that in the playoffs but it took Jacoby Myers and the fifth touchdown of the Raiders for him to get his touchdown. I don't know. It just it made me feel a little bit wanting considering how everything went. But he does get the job done ultimately. 
Uh, we know that the Raiders probably won't have this much success again the rest of the season, scoring 63 points. They never had that much success in their entire franchise. But at least Devontae Adams came through for you when you needed him to. This does not change my view, though, on him being more than a wide receiver, too, throughout your playoffs. And he does have a tough matchup next week against Kansas City Chiefs. But good enough to keep in your lineups and not have to worry too much about it. What was your hero in this game? Yeah, you mentioned him there, and it's Jacoby Myers. He's someone that in a lot of spots, especially in Dynasty, right, where you get the the three flex spots or three receiver spots, uh, overall just kind of bigger lineups. Uh, there were a lot of spots where I had to get Jacoby Myers into my lineup, and I didn't necessarily feel super great about it. Uh, but, but he showed out. He had a receiving touchdown of his own, to your point, through the one uh, to Devontae Adams. He didn't have a big day through the air as a receiver, only the two receptions, but got in the end zone. You know, again, one one passing, one receiving. Uh, it, it, that'll do it. That'll get you into the into the teens, and that'll be a pretty damn good flex play for you. I totally agree with that. All right, so let's turn on the music a little bit so we can talk about our observational notes. Uh, for me, like I said, in a game like this, there's a ton of scoring and everything like that, but it doesn't change the needle, at least for me, as far as what to expect out of the Raiders or even, frankly, what to expect out of the Chargers moving forward. Uh, I know Austin Eckler was disappointing, but we know that was kind of game script. They might have a little bit different look with a different coach next week. We got to see if Keenan Allen even decides to come back. I mean, the only thing on the Charger side would be Easton Stick. You know, it took a while to get going, but he throws a good enough ball where I don't worry about Keenan Allen. We saw Josh Palmer wind up putting up stats by the time the game was over. Gerald Everett had targets in that game. So Quentin Johnson even had a touchdown in the game. So I think Easton Stick's good enough to get the ball to Keenan Allen if you were to come back. It's really the only thing you were looking at there if you're in that position anyway in the first place and my other note was that as far as the Raiders go we get confirmation now that Zamir White is in fact the handcuff to Josh Jacobs not Amir Abdullah that's that that's the only thing there um, so what, what were your notes in this game what do you got yeah I think the Zamir White uh thing is by far uh, the biggest takeaway here uh it also I Man, it, it sucks with these Chargers. Uh, it, it definitely seems like, you know, the locker room was lost there. Thankfully, there's a coaching change. So it's, you know, always a little dicey, but always a little interesting to play guys, you know, the first week of the interim head coach. So, you know, maybe you can hope for a boost on these Chargers guys there. But otherwise, morale just seems to be really low in that locker room. Um, yeah, only other you know thought is that Trey Tucker even early on in that game was getting a lot of run. Uh, they were you know trying to you know he was out there clearing things out, and if it was open, he was going to get the shot. Um, so he could be a an interesting DFS type guy uh, moving forward. I wouldn't have him on a of my fantasy radar, but DFS he, he's going to be out there. He's going to be you know running those high upside plays. So. No, that, that's fair, too. All right, so with that, I think we can move on to our next matchup here with the Minnesota Vikings and the Cincinnati Bengals. Let's cue that zero music because it was... This was not a zero because the player did poorly. This was a zero because it was a bad call by me. I had Jordan Addison outside top 40 wide receivers heading into this week. Just wasn't going to trust Nick Mullins to get multiple guys outside of Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson, involved consistently enough. And then Addison goes out there, drops 111 yards and two touchdowns. So it was a bad call by me. So that's why it's wound up being a wrong call zero. What was yours? Oof. Uh, 
I, I think it's Jamar. Uh, not necessarily that he had a bad game, but you know, in standard, you got six points. You got, you know, ten in uh, PPR. It's just underwhelming given the 427 point. Jake Browning went over 300 yards. You know, the offense was good. Jake Browning has continued to play well. So to get ten points, uh, you know, in a, a playoff game when you're really trying to play your stuff. Yeah, I mean, he also has the injury in that game, too. Right. And that, that, that's part of it. And that's just, there's nothing you can do about that oh, one. So at, at least when it comes to an injury in your playoffs, I don't like, I can live with it because it's like, he, he just couldn't get it done. That's so it's, it's a little bit, I guess, of a softening blow, I guess you could say. But we do have heroes in this matchup. And that was T. Higgins, who I had ranked at wide receiver 34. And he hadn't been a flex usable player in a while. But he did come through in this game with eight targets, four catches, 61 yards, and two touchdowns, and steps right into the Jamar Chase role. It's Jamar Chase who has a separated shoulder, an AC joint sprain is what they're going to call it. If he has to miss next week, I think you have lots of confidence in playing T. Higgins in as a top 20 receiver, especially the way Jake Browning's been playing as of late. So that's the good news there. My other hero had to be Ty Chandler, who I had as a top 20 running back heading into the week as soon as Alexander Madison was officially ruled out. 132 yards on the ground and a touchdown, four targets, three catches, 25 yards. It's not just that he got all the work. It's that we hadn't seen Ty Chandler actually productive when even given opportunities. So to get 132 yards here, that was big. And now you know you can trust Ty Chandler moving forward as well. Even if Alexander Madison were to come back next week, Chandler might still be flex-worthy because of the way Madison has not performed as of late, too. Uh, well, who were your heroes at in this game? Yeah, I think those two are the uh, are the big ones. And to add on to Ty Chandler, uh, not only was it a, a big uh, you know flex play for a lot of people out there in fantasy, um, but that his yardage total is actually over Alexander Madison's career high after <laughs> filling in for him. So already you know off to a good start there. Um, the only other guy that I, I think definitely is worth mentioning is that if you took a complete dart throw at the tight end position and went Tanner Hudson in a PPR league, you feel you know pretty good about what you got there, just under ten points. Um, you know for a dart throw type of guy, someone who in deep leagues, maybe you were looking at, um, you know, good game out of him. He's played well uh, over the last few weeks. Yeah, that's, that's a good call too. Cause some people did have to deep dive deep at tight end position to pay upon their situations. Uh, as far as my notes for this game, Nick Mullins was good. Good in the way that you want him to be good. We're not going to play Nick Mullins fantasy-wise anyway, but good in the fact that he got Justin Jefferson seven catches. Jordan Addison was able to have a big game. TJ Hawkinson was solid. You know, the whole offense went. He had 300 yards passing in this game, got a couple of touchdowns. I mean, everything you could have hoped for out of Nick Mullins to keep your fantasy stars stars happened in this game. So that's the big one there. And then also the quarterback on the other side, Jake Browning. Uh, he handled a Flores defense that blitzes a lot, brings the pressure, especially against young quarterbacks can be a struggle. And he performed quite well against the blitz and held up and got the ball out quickly and made his reads. And now he's going to probably have three weeks in a row where he's going to be a top 12 fantasy option. I think we can actually look at him for the next two weeks as a top 12 option if he's available in your waiver wires, which for the most part, he is under 50% owned. So he is somebody who's out there that maybe you can turn to if in a pinch. Uh, the only thing, like I said, Jamar Chase suffered the AC joint sprain, so that's something we're going to have to look at. Do you have any other notes in this game? No, that's about all I got for you.
No, okay. Well, the other thing I was going to point out, I, I thought maybe you were going to point out, I was going to leave it to you. Uh, Chase Brown did play early in the game, was playing more than he was originally. Him and Joe Mixon were actually going back and forth, but then Chase Brown actually misses almost, almost an entire quarter due to an injury, and that's where Joe Mixon kind of just took over for the rest of the game. But something to keep an eye on, Chase Brown might be getting more and more play if he's healthy and good to go. With that, we can go on to our next matchup, the Cle- uh, Cleveland Browns and Real- yeah, go ahead. Real quick, I just want to throw some breaking news out there on unfortunate yeah. breaking news in that Keaton Mitchell was just carted off and has already been ruled out in the uh, Baltimore game. Yeah, and it was a it was a quick rule out too. Um, now they're losing. You know, Ronnie Staley is actually a little bit banged up too, uh, so things not going great for the Ravens. But yeah, if Keaton Mitchell's going to miss any time. We go we go back to Gus Edwards' hour. Justice Hill will be involved, even though I'm not going to put him on my fantasy team because we saw he's not really productive, even when given a significant role. But uh, yeah, it could be Gus Edwards' time moving forward if Keaton Mitchell's going to miss any time. And given how quickly he was ruled out the knee, it seems like that might be in the cards but let's go ahead and talk about our zeros for the chicago cleveland matchup and that would be jerome ford who i ranked the top 24 running back and i know i know chicago's been good but adam i I can't understand why i like me they're all of a sudden you can't run on the bears you can't throw on the bears and then the other part of this, too, is that the Browns, Kevin Stefanski, I thought you were a run-first guy. Joe Flacco gets here, and you're like, well, well 40 times a game, 40 passes a game, no play action. Here we go, shotgun 24-7. It's hurting Jerome Ford's value to some degree. He only has eight carries, 20 yards, five targets, four catches, and 11 yards in this game. So that was a big miss. And then Dante Foreman was the most zero of them all. Six carries for negative six yards. You and me watching this game were more productive than Dante Foreman was with our zero yards. It's that Bears backfield is just unattainable right now. It just you just want to stay away from it no matter what. So those are my two big zeros here. What were yours? Uh, one that just disappoints me. It hurts my heart. It's Elijah Moore. You think, uh, you know, Joe Flacco threw 44 pass attempts. You get another one out of DTR. Uh, so 45 total pass attempts from the team, and we only get two receptions, 17 yards out of Elijah Moore, a uh, player who I love coming out of college. You had the pretty solid, promising rookie season in the Jets. Since then, it's just not been great. You've seen him separate really, really well at parts of this season, but I don't know. Since Tom Watson's gone down, you haven't seen as much of him as maybe you wanted to. And again, since Joe Flacco came out and they started throwing a lot, I was like, okay, maybe there's something here now. And it just there just hasn't been. No, no, there hasn't been. It's, it's been all David Njoku and all Amari Cooper, who, by the way, are my two heroes of this game. Amari Cooper, really the big hero for the, for the game itself because he had a 50-yard bomb that put them in position to get back into this one at the end there. Eight targets, four catches, 109 yards with that touchdown. But David Njoku, he's been the pass-catching one option for Joe Flacco the last two weeks. 14 targets, 10 catches, 108 yards, and a touchdown here. And he's got a great schedule as far as tight ends are concerned the rest of the way for the fantasy football playoffs. David Joku might be a top three guy, could be an all-world league-winning beater from your tight end position if this is able to keep up. So those are my two big heroes out of this one. Do you have any others? Uh, one that I'll throw out there is that, you know, if you, you're in a redraft or one of those weird dynasties where you are getting defenses, Bears defense got you 15 points this week. And that's, I mean, in a lot of situations where you're playing with defenses, you get 15 out of your defense. And that's a, it's a big swing to help you win your matchup. So, uh, you know, 
Yeah, you, you mentioned, you know, don't know when this Bears defense got so good, but they were playable today. They were. They absolutely were. Um, I don't know if I'm really trusting it. There's so much of a fancy, oh, yeah. but we're trying to stream defenses and, and they've been on a roll. Uh, my notes, it just, it you know, it, it goes back to the Bears backfield. We thought it was Dante Foreman today. It wound up being Roshan Johnson as far as the more productive player. Foreman still played a few more snaps. Just had absolutely nothing to show for it. Cleo Herbert is clearly the third man in this backfield. That's the only thing I think we can say. We know for sure. But right now, I think there's going to be no Bears running backs inside my top 36 over the next two weeks. I don't know how you can play any of them. And then Browns, they need to get back to basics. Kevin Stefanski, like, I, I, we love that Joe Flacco's slinging around. We love it for Amara Cooper and David Joku. I think you can still get the productivity for those guys if this team can just get back to basics of play action and run first because Jerome Ford is completely useless. And I'm pretty sure there's no reason in the Stefanski offense that all those guys should not be able to eat. So I actually want to see the Browns get back to basics here. But for now, Joe Flacco borderline streamable option and you're loving the volume for David Njoku and Amari Cooper. You're just for Jerome Ford, you're going to need a good matchup for a running back. I think they have confidence playing him in your lineup over the next two weeks. Uh, well, you got any other notes in this game? Yeah. One that I think is interesting and it's a piece of the Elijah Moore thing that I mentioned, but Cedric Tillman was only four snaps behind five routes run behind uh, and had eight targets compared to Elijah Moore's three. So he could be kind of closing ground on that wide receiver two spot and you you know, I don't know how much you trust it. I'm certainly not going to put him immediately out there next week. But if they're throwing 45 times a game, then that wide receiver two spot might be something. Yeah, no, that, that is interesting, especially dynasty wise. I mean, we had Cedric Tillman in a lot of dynasty places, so it's nice to see him start to gain some traction for sure. All right, let's go to our next matchup and talk about the Denver Broncos and the Detroit Lions and the. Uh... This zero is uh, thankfully in all the leagues that I have him and I have a buy. And I'm not saying that to brag because if you had Javante Williams, this was probably a rough week for you in your fantasy football playoff. At least, fairly least, he did not help you. 12 carries, 27 yards on the ground, two catches for negative seven yards. Uh, he's played five more snaps only than Samaj Perrine. That's the lowest that gap has been since Javante. We've kind of seen him take over. Now, I, I don't think that's a... That's a, a remark on, oh, this is trending back to being a total platoon situation. I think this is just how this game went. But Detroit completely blew the doors off of Denver. We know Samaj brings the pass catching back. So I'm not reading too much into that. They do play New England next week, which is a tough matchup. But because New England doesn't score points, I expect that to be a neutral game script for most of the game. So Javante will at least get his volume. But for now, this was a rough, rough day for Javante Williams' owners. Uh, you got any zeros for this game? Ooh, um, yeah, Javante was tough, and I, I got hit with that one. Um, gosh, as far as a, another zero, I mean, I know to a degree so there's been people who will, will trust Josh Reynolds when you get the Lions at home, and for him to not really do much in a, a game where they dropped 42, uh, they were at home, so you're in the dome. It, that's, you know, kind of disappointing. It kind of spells the end of his little uh, run he had to start the season. It felt like for a little bit you could rely on him if they were inside. Yeah. No, that that's fair, too. Let's switch gears. Let's go to our heroes. Let's get pumped up. Sam Laporta, six targets, five catches, 56 yards, and he gets the hat trick with three touchdowns. 
made me look brilliant for ranking him as my number one tight end on the week this week. And then we had Amon Ross A. Brown, who had been in a little bit of a slump going up against a tough Denver secondary, especially as of late. Comes through the big game, nine targets, seven catches, 112 yards, and a touchdown in this one. So big-time players coming through big time in your fantasy playoff big spots. I love it when that comes together. Who are your heroes in this game? Yeah, the the big one to add there is Jameer Gibbs, right, with the 11 carries, 100 yards, uh, touchdown, then gets another touchdown through the air. I mean, he would be you know, everyone's RB1 going into next year's drafts and going into, uh, you know, our, the dynasty RB1 if it wasn't that you have David Montgomery also taking snaps there uh, because he looks awesome. He, he's very efficient with the ball, um, you know, making big plays. He had a great week, but, you know, it, it's tough when you have two great backs there. It is tough. Uh, David Montgomery still had a good game, like you said, overall. Just didn't get a touchdown. And because Gibbs is the one who got the touchdown, and Montgomery's not getting the catches as much anymore because Gibbs has that role. Um, he, he is starting to become a little bit more RB2-ish, touchdown-dependent moving forward. And that, that's kind of tough. But he's still going to be in my lineup over the next couple of weeks. The running game is the number one offense for Detroit. Uh, my note here is actually just based on Detroit. You're talking about Josh Reynolds being a little bit of a disappointment because of what he had been able to do earlier in the season. Part of that might be because he's not the number two receiver anymore. Jamison Williams played five more snaps than Josh Reynolds did in this game and had seven targets was the most targets he's seen since he's come into the league. So I don't know if you can go ahead and say, oh, week 16, 16 17, we're suddenly going to look to play Jamison Williams. This was earlier in the season. We definitely tell, be telling you to pick him up for sure. Uh, but DFS-wise, I'm looking at it. And maybe if you're desperate-wise, he can be a pickup option. He probably will make my top 10 in my waiver wire rankings list, I would imagine, because of this. But maybe Jamison finally starting to come in and be a starting receiver for Detroit. It's about freaking time. Uh, do you have any other notes to this game? Oh, uh, no, that's about it. I mean, it, you you kind of saw Russell Wilson not look great. I mean, you got some garbage time points out of it, but they didn't score until the second half. Uh, you know, I, he's been someone who's been a, a a guy you can stream at times and a guy who is a QB2 for your super flex leagues. Uh, but it just doesn't look great. Um, you, you kind of rely on garbage time. There there's, was a stretch there where it was looking okay throughout the whole game, but we are past that. Yeah, yeah, we are definitely past that. All right, so next up, we had the Saturday game. This will make Adam really happy. We have the Steelers losing to the Indianapolis Colts. We do have to go to the zeros first. And the first zero we got to talk about would be Najee Harris. 12 carries, 33 yards. That's it. Nothing in the passing game. No touchdowns to save his day. Just 12 carries for 33 yards. Now, and a bad this, fumble. Yeah. It was, and part of this was game script, too. Uh, the, the Colts were up by a ton, especially in the majority of the second half. Jalen Warren doubled the amount of snaps. The first time we've seen that over Najee Harris. Wasn't at, you know, didn't have a ton of productivity to go along with it. And I'm not looking at that as Jalen Warren's overtaken Najee Harris, as much as that probably should be the case. But it was just a bad matchup for a guy who was probably in your flex radar right now with the way he had been getting utilized. So, Nash Harris not coming through zero for me in this game. What were yours? Uh, honestly, and I love him, and I still believe in the player. Um, but Josh Downs, you you have to feel like 
you know, Michael Pittman went down in the second quarter uh, and Josh Towns still ended up with less than 20 yards, three receptions. Uh, he's out there. He's playing. Uh, and I, I get that the Colts were, you know, about that time. We're kind of getting that lead. Um, but in that same breath, when Pittman went out, they were actually down a touchdown. And while they did get up pretty soon after that, uh, it, it, it just sucks to not see Downs kind of step up in that situation. Because otherwise, you know, Pittman does have a concussion. We're looking at a very real possibility of Pittman missing next week. So it would be nice to be able to, with some confidence, at least have downs as like a flex option. Um, but I don't think you have that confidence. I don't, at least. No, I, I totally agree with you. Josh Downs was somebody who had been a real target earner earlier in the season. And uh, even the first game back off the injury, he had 13 targets. But since then, Minshew's had eyes for Pittman and Pittman alone. Now, maybe next week with no Pittman, that changes. But then again, it's, we're talking about the semi-round, the fantasy playoffs. You probably have a better option than Josh Downs in your lineup, too. So, yeah, I agree with you on that one. All right, let's switch gears and go to our heroes. And my hero is, you know, there, there wasn't a lot of big performances here. But I guess the hero had to be Deontay Johnson because I did have him as a top 34 wide receiver. He did come through for 62 yards and a touchdown on six targets and four catches. And as long as Mitchell Trubisky's the quarterback, he's the only wide receiver who's worth a damn right now because he doesn't get the ball to George Pickens for anything. Uh, he doesn't even really do a good job of getting the ball to Pat Fryermuth, which used to be something he did. It's just Deontay and Deontay alone, so he can still be a wide receiver three flex play. Would you have any heroes in this game? I mean, it it's almost just saying the Colts offensive line, but I'm going to, in theory, give it to Trey Sermon uh, and, and Tyler Goodson. That they played really well coming in for Zach Moss after the injury, uh, and I think they give you gave you confidence that if Zach Moss doesn't come back and Jonathan Taylor doesn't come back, that against an Atlanta team that is definitely susceptible to the run, uh, you know, you could play a Trey Sermon. Yeah, uh, so he did lead he did lead the way a little bit in the snap count and looked pretty decent. I'm not gonna lie, it's kind of weird because I've seen Trey Sermon, especially as a Ford Iders guy, uh, just not be able to get through the line of scrimmage time and time again. And all of a sudden, he looked spry. He kind of looked. He kind of honestly reminded me of what Zach Moss looked like earlier uh, in the season. He, you know, like you said, he did pick up the injury in this one, so it might be no Zach Moss. Jonathan Taylor might not be quite ready to return. Uh, next week. So we probably would see some sort of committee between Trey Sermon and Tyler Goodson. Now, because it's going to be a committee, I don't think I'll have either one of them higher than an RB3 flex play. And I think Goodson will probably still be a little bit more involved in the passing game, I would imagine. Trey Sermon's still a nightmare when it comes to pass protection. But <laughs> you can play both these guys. Uh, and they look pretty good doing it there. And then the only other note, because uh, that was one of my notes, the only other note I would have was about Warren playing double the snaps, but I'm not going to buy into that too much as far as that being the trend moving forward. I'm still going to keep Warren, hopefully, on my bench, if not, nothing more than a flex. Uh, do you have any other notes in this game? Uh, I The committee at tight end for the Colts just got even weirder. Like It at least seemed like Mo Cox was like out of the receiving game. He was coming in to help block. Um, but it, you know, if you thought that there was going to be any chance that maybe an Ogletree who, uh, if you follow like PFF or anything is, you know, graded out really, really well so far this year that, you know, maybe he would get a leg and, you know, maybe you would just see him in Granson or Moali Cox at block. And then Ogletree would kind of get a receiving role. Um, no, it's going to stay all three and 
we <laughs> when Jelani Woods comes back next year, it might be all for it. Um, so it, it, it's hard to see a, a solo tight end kind of breaking out in this group as of this moment. Yeah, uh, it doesn't matter if it's Frank Reich or Shane Steichen. It, it, like the Colts are just doesn't matter the coaches. They're always going to have a rotation at the tight end position. It seems like we'll never get like one guy pinned down there. Shout out to a uh, Fun Football Podcast for tuning in to the show. All right, uh, with that, I think we can move on to our next game. There's not going to be a ton of talk about, but there was a game between the Atlanta Falcons and the Carolina Panthers today. A game that nobody was at, even though the Carolina Panthers were practically giving tickets away and they still couldn't get anybody to come to this game it was bad weather there's also two very very boring teams but we do have to start off with the zeros besides the panthers attendance and uh, this is a tough one for me because i had Bijan robinson against the best matchup a running back in half as my third running back overall i had him ranked as a top three running back and he had seven carries for 11 yards and one catch for three yards. To add insult to injury, he had a fumble. So if you have negative two points for fumbles, like some leagues do, he actually gave you a negative, not even a zero, not even a goose, a negative one for some of you out there. It was just, it was dreadful. Tyler Algier only played five less snaps and had double the amount of carries. And I'm just, all I can say is that if you manage to still have Bijan, you're still going to be in the next round, whether it's because you had a buy or the rest of your team, you know, bailed you out, whatever the case may be, that at least they lost this game. And that I don't think this is something that all of a sudden we're back to now, Tyler Algiers working, outworking Bijan Robinson. But it's still just annoying as hell. <laughs> it's just, it was a lot of bad weather. We could chalk it up to being a weird game because of that, I think. But I, I don't know. I don't I, like it's just you have to keep playing Bijan, but it's, it's this is the Atlanta Falcons. This, they drive you nuts. Drake London falls right into that. He's my other zero. Three three targets, two catches, 24 yards a week after coming off 174 game. Now, you could explain some of that away. Again, weather. Carolina is not a great match for receivers to begin with. We didn't have Drake London ranked higher than a wide receiver 30 anyway, but you still probably played him after that big week. So, Atlanta Falcons, once again, doing you guys dirty. What were your zeros in this game? Oh man, uh, just offense. My eyeballs were zeros. This game was awful, awful, awful to watch. That Ritter, Ritter interception uh, was one of the ugliest I've, quite honestly, uh, you know, ever seen. Uh, but it, it honestly, I don't think there's a lot of guys that you felt comfortable playing here. So I could tell you a Kyle Pitts uh, or a Jonu Smith, I guess, but like. It, it, it's hard to even play those guys. These are just both offenses where you maybe play the running back, and that's about it. Yeah, I mean, even Adam Thielen, I had outside of my top 36, so I wasn't playing him in this game anyway. Um, I would hit the hero button, but there were no heroes in this game. <laughs> Nobody did anything or came through for you in any kind of way or made my rankings really look all that good. So I'll just move right into the notes. I'm going to chalk this whole thing up to terrible weather and a game in which two teams were just comfortable playing not to lose the entire time. And that's why we got what we got. And like, like I said, the Bijan usage, the Drake London usage, uh, even the Adam Thielen usage to some degree, I'm just going to throw it out and, and not put that into my analysis going into next week that I'm worried, let's say about Bijan Tyler having a committee or that Drake London's role in the team has changed or anything like that. So I'm going to chalk it up and pretty much throw it away. The, I mean, the only silver lining here is Chuba Hubbard had a decent day 
Um, and that was that was really about it. So I don't. Do you have any other notes to this game? Uh, I'll, I'll give an honorary hero, not quite a hero, but uh, Eddie Pinheiro, if you played him for, as your kicker for the Panthers, uh, you probably feel pretty good coming away with, uh, you know, him scoring all of Carolina's points. So, um, if you had the balls to put him in your lineup to play for the kicker when the Carolina Panthers, I mean, it's not like they were going to score touchdowns <laughs> is off to you. Yeah. They don't score anything. That's, that's, that's kind of the thing, but yeah, no, they could have been possible. All right. So let's start our next game. Talk about the Tampa Bay bucks and the green Bay pa- uh, Packers and the Packers. just They went from looking really good to Jordan love looking really, really bad. But my zero for this one has to be Romeo Dobbs from a fantasy perspective. Three targets, three catches, 30 yards. I didn't have high hopes for Romeo Dobbs, but I did still have him ranked as a wide receiver 36. Tampa Bay had their JV squad in their secondary for this game, and he still could not take advantage. Jaden Reed picked up a toe injury during this game, and he still could not take advantage. Again, didn't have high expectations for Romeo Dobbs. But somebody he could be in your flex, and he just he really just gave you nothing here. You got any zeros in this game? Yeah, I mean, he it, it would have been ill-advised to have played Patrick Taylor, probably a desperation move. I know I do have one of those desperation-type <laughs> teams uh, where I had to put him in just because I knew he had a, had, you know, theoretically had a pulse. Um, but to play three less snaps than Aaron Jones, to run more routes uh, and come away with three touches, I believe, like th- that's just awful. It's just like you're out there getting cardio, I guess. Um so I, I'm sure he's bummed out. Yeah, we've seen we've seen quite a few guys coming out there and just just getting cardio. Uh, we got a big time hero now. I don't know how many of you guys played him. I had him as a wide receiver 37, so I had him on that borderline flex territory. But Chris Godwin finally having his best game of the season when you need him most: 12 targets, 10 catches. 155 yards. I just wonder how many people benched Chris Godwin because he had been so bad as of late. But I know some teams did have to stick with him because they had him. They had no other options. And he came through with a big surprising game for you. There were a few heroes in this one. So that was my big one. Adam, what were your heroes in this game? Um, yeah, no, there were definitely a few. Uh, you know, hey, Rashad White with the big game. Uh, you know, he gets 90 yards or just under. Uh, ground and then he gets a touchdown through the air another 50 yards receiving um so you got a big game for him yeah so we take that down we go to our notes here and one of my main notes is talking about the Jaden Reed toe injury we, we don't know exactly the nature of that we just know he was ruled out then come back to the game once he had the injury good make sure you guys tune in at 9 30 this Thursday when I have Brian Scott from the Angeles podcast on our medical expert to help us out with all that uh but Dontavian Wicks was the one bright spot in the pat. Well, I shouldn't say the one bright spot because their their tight end had come through with a decent game too. But Wicks played the most snaps, had routes run, had nine targets, looked decent. And if Christian Watson continues to miss, if Jaden Reed might miss a week here, Dontavian Wicks is the guy I actually would want to target from a fantasy perspective. He had been coming on and he has a Christian Watson light type of skill set that I think could be really valuable for you over the next couple of weeks if he's the one getting all the work. So Wicks is somebody that will be high on my waiver wire priority list. 
And then uh, the other note that I did have for the Packers was Aaron Jones. When we got that, you know, that alert that he's only going to play 15 of the 20 plays. Well, he played more than that. That's the good news. Uh, but he did only have three more snaps than Patrick Taylor. You wouldn't know it by looking at the box score because Aaron Jones dominated the touches. But I just want to make you guys aware that he was not full go. Uh, as far as the snap share is concerned, we'll see if AJ Dillon comes back next week. And the last one is just, you know, the Bucks offense is actually on a bit of a hot streak right now. And you kind of want to just play pieces. I'm still leery about Chris Gowan, but you, you actually want to play pieces of the Bucks offense right now. I mean, even Baker Mayfield had 381 yards and four touchdowns. So, uh, yeah. And what, what other notes do you have of this game? Yeah, that, that's about it is that. You know, the, the Bucks offense is very playable. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Rashad White, Baker Mayfield are all startable guys. Oh, and Zay Jones just went down with a hamstring injury now, and he's going to probably be out too. Jeez Louise, guys are dropping like flies in the Sunday night game. All right, speaking of more football, we got Houston and Tennessee. This overtime game, one of two overtime games, this one went all the way down to the wire. But let's talk about our zeros first. Oh, man, was this rough, dude. So I had Derrick Henry as a top 10 running back. It's Houston. It's December. I mean, this is when Derrick Henry shines, right? I know it's not the same Houston defense it has been for the past few years, but holy hell, 16 carries for six yards. I'll say that again. 16 carries for six yards. Not even a yard to carry out of Derrick Henry. Four targets, four catches for one yard. He had 20 touches in this game and had seven yards. I can't even wrap my brain around that for Derrick Henry right now. DeAndre Hopkins wasn't much better either. He's also my zero list. Nine targets, two catches, 25 yards. Oof. What zeros do you have in this game, Adam? Well, I, it's not quite a zero to the degree as those two. Those are like the definite zeros. But, you know, you think Derrick Henry's having that bad of a game that maybe, you know, Ty J Spears, a, a lot of the times this season, he's stepped up. And when Derrick Henry has a bad game, he can kind of, you know, perform. Well, you only got three yards per carry and then one seven-yard reception out of him, which is definitely better than the less than a yard you were going to get out of Derrick Henry. But... Not good enough, uh, not from a fantasy perspective and not from an on-the-field perspective. Um, so you would definitely expect a little bit more out of him when he's put in a position to play um, because Henry's not getting it done. Yeah, no, that's that is also good. That's a good point. Uh, let's switch gears, talk about our heroes. Devin Singletary, if you had to play him, because I had him pretty high in my flex, so you probably did play him, but RB... We'll see what he finishes that, but he had 26 carries, 121 yards, five targets, four catches, and 49 yards. Damian Pierce was not a thing, and it wasn't just that he didn't get touches. He wasn't on the field. Now, I've been, and Adam, you know this, on the show, a big proponent of this is what needs to happen for the Texas moving forward. Stop trying to shove the ball to Damian Pierce for absolutely no reason when Devin Singletary is clearly the better, more effective, more productive running back when he gets the ball in his hands. But I also have to wonder if some of this wasn't due to the fact that, well, C.J. Stroud was out and maybe even more importantly, Nico Collins was out. So outside of Noah Brown and Dalton Schultz, Devin Singletary kind of had to be the third playmaker on this team and therefore utilized him that way. Now, I think this still should give you confidence because what well, you could have said, they still could have could have leaned on Damian Pierce to some degree, and that didn't want to be the case. So maybe, and I'm going to ask you this question, actually, 
Do you think this means Devin Singletary, we can trust him to be the guy getting 15 to 20 opportunities? Is he the guy? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you almost had more. You had that. We thought he could have been before and it didn't want to work out. Called back. Uh, It it really felt like he was kind of driving this offense, especially, um, you know, the stats don't look awful for Case Keenum, but Case Keenum did not look good. (laughs) So now we're hoping to see him back. Singletary looked like the lifeline of this offense in a lot of ways um, and performed well with it. So uh, I, I think they'll reward him for that. Um, and again, he almost had the walk off and won, and it wasn't his fault that he didn't get the walk off. Just the penalty brought it back. Um, you know, I, I thought he played fantastic and he had a lot of bursts in that run too. He, he did. It's just, we, we've seen Devin Singletary go up before and the Texans still turned around and went back and tried to give the ball to Damian Pierce. So it's, it's one of those things. I, I don't know if I can be super confident in it, but it does make logical sense. And it did happen today. And it did happen a little bit last week, not to this degree, but it did happen to some degree last week too, where it looked like Singletary was recommanding himself. So uh, I think Singletary probably will be a top 24 option. We'll see how high he goes, but he'll probably be my top 24 heading into next week. Um, As far as notes go for this game, outside of what we just talked about, uh, Will Levis did get banged up at the end. So we're going to have to see, is it Will Levis or Ryan Tannehill next week, depending upon Levis's availability. Uh, Well, you got any other notes in this game? I mean, it, we we were watching the game together when this happened, and I just want to throw an honorary hero out. He wasn't a fantasy hero from any perspective, but uh, Dalton Schultz won't get credit for it, but he saved this game for Houston uh, <laughs> because that should have, by every account, meant an interception uh, that he like stole. Uh, you know, he stole victory from the jaws of the defeat, quite literally, um, on that reception. Uh, so I, I've always liked Dalton Schultz. So shout out to him. Yeah, no, absolutely. 100%. He deserves it. Okay, we got the Jets and we got the Dolphins. And we got some pretty brutal zeros on the Jets side. Now, Zach Wilson gets hurt in this game. So that's part of it. We had to see Trevor Simeon for a lot of it. But Brees Hall coming off a big game. So you're getting excited about it. You're playing the Dolphins, so you know it's going to be higher scoring. And the Dolphins did score a lot of points. Uh, But the Jets didn't score anything. Six carries. 12 yards, and here's the problem, because his rushing has been great for a while, but he's been getting bailed out in the receiving game, and it didn't happen here. Two targets, one catch, six yards. Even, even with Trevor Simeon at quarterback, he should be dumping the ball off of Brees Hall. And then you know, make matters worse. Miami blew him out so bad, Brees Hall didn't really play in the fourth quarter. It was all Israel Bonaconda. But yeah. And then on top of it all, Garrett Wilson, he wasn't any better. Five targets, three catches, 29 yards. Just awful, awful day for the Jets. Zach Wilson gets a concussion issue, so that means this could be a problem next week, too. So, you know, we'll wait till the notes part to get into all of it. But, yeah, that's my zeros for this game. What were yours? Oh, man, pretty much everything on the Jets uh, is a zero. Um, So I'm just going to throw it out there. Not that, you know, he was in anyone's fantasy football lineups, but, uh, you know, when Zach Wilson first got benched, we were all like, why is it Tim Boyle? Like, how how is it Tim Boyle over Simeon? Like, we were excited when Simeon got signed, one of the practice squad. Simeon's awful. I don't know, like, what happened, because not that he was ever a world beater or even, like, a top 50 quarterback, but, like, he was an acceptable top 64, you know, theoretical backup-type quarterback, uh, and he does not look like that. And I know their offensive line is bad, but uh, to, that Zach Wilson is performing much better than you, and it's like a... a 
noticeable difference, I think, says a lot about you know the quality of your game at this point. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. Okay, so let's switch gears. There are a lot of heroes in this game as well. Of course, the heroes are all on the Miami Dolphins side of the ball. So no Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle does take advantage. I do want to point out he only had one more target than what his average has been. He had nine targets instead of eight. He's only had eight like last four weeks in a row. But he's able to make that eight catches for 142 yards and a touchdown in what was easily his best game of the season against a really good, formidable New York Jets secondary. So there's there's a lot to be said for that. Now, Tyreek Hill, they came out, they said that they think that he might be have been pretty close to playing today, which bodes well for him coming back next week, which means Jalen Wild goes back to being more of a low-end wide receiver too because he just hasn't really put together too many big games alongside of Tyreek Hill. But we know he can do it. We know that's not the issue on him. and that he's, It's not him not performing well enough. It's him getting the opportunity. And maybe if Hill's not 100%, maybe he gets a little more opportunity even with Hill back in the lineup. So this is good news for Waddle. And then, of course, Raheem Mostert, not a huge day on the ground, but he gets the two touchdowns nonetheless. The number one touchdown scoring player in the entire league. Both came through for you today. Where are your heroes in this one? Ooh, yeah, I mean, those two were great between uh, Mostert and uh, Waddle. Uh, you got fantastic play out of Tua, but it wasn't quite enough to, from a fantasy perspective, he actually wasn't very good. Um, and, and that's what's tough about how this Miami team operates is just since they get all of their red zone value out of Mostert for the most part, and unless these receivers break big plays, you only get one or two guys that um, have the crazy fantasy production, and that's kind of what we saw today. No, yeah, you're 100% correct. It, this has been the issue for Tua for a while now. Like Just like NFL-wise, been a very good quarterback. Fantasy-wise, it's completely fallen off over the past month. Uh, um, notes here. So this is where I want to kind of get into it with, with Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson and whatnot. If it's Trevor Simeon next week, I don't know if I'm going to have Brees Hall or Garrett Wilson ranked in a position where you need to play them. In fact, I'm pretty sure I might have Brees Hall as an RB3 and Garrett Wilson as a wide receiver three and leaving it at that. Like, I can't believe we're that dependent on Zach Wilson being the starting quarterback for the Jets, but we are because it's it's just, it's atrocious if it's anybody else. At least with Zach Wilson, those two guys can get the ball enough to do something. Uh, but that that's where I'm at right now. Are you have any trust in these guys if it's Trevor Simeon next week or are you going to play them anyway? No, I have exactly zero trust. Uh, it's good. It's a good match against Washington next week too, and I still don't think we could play him. No, it's bad. It is really, really bad quarterback play, and I don't know. It, it at this point, it almost, almost have to take a look at you know the structure of the offense and at the offensive coordinator because um, it, it doesn't seem like anyone can make this thing function. Nathaniel Hackett is so lucky Aaron Rodgers wants him. And he's so lucky Aaron Rodgers is hurt. And he's so lucky that Aaron Rodgers already says he's coming back next year. Because otherwise, this is a guy who should have been, and I think would have been, fired already had that not been the case. Because they have Aaron Rodgers coming back at some point, there's no chance to get rid of Nathaniel Hackett. As bad as he is, there's no chance it's going to happen. Just for Aaron Rodgers next year. And it's just, it's, it's, it's a disaster. It's an absolute disaster. Um, yeah, you have any other notes for this game? Uh, yeah, I, you know, you've talked, or sorry, uh, Sala has talked about, uh, you know, 
as they get out of the playoffs, you'll kind of see a bit of a youth movement. It's come out, you know, a couple times, and that's been a, a specific uh, phrase that they've used, and you've kind of started to see that a little bit. Uh, Kenny Yaboa was taking some of his first snaps of the year. Uh, Abinaconda passed Dalvin Cook, doubled him in snaps, uh, and uh, you know, we continue to see a pretty big role out of Xavier Gibson, who was back behind Alan Lazard, who is seemingly recovered from his little inactive sprint uh, stint. But you know, otherwise, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see these young players, you know, get more and more of the playing time, um, especially in offense, to kind of figure out who's going to be in place for Aaron next year. Yeah, and no longer any chance for Aaron Rodgers coming back this season either. So we can go ahead and put that to bed. All right, let's go to our next game. We got the Giants and the Saints. An unfortunate zero in this one. Saquon Barkley, you would pay upon him as a low-end RB1 all season. Nine carries, 14 yards, two targets, two catches, 25 yards. Just did absolutely nothing. And to add insult to injury... You might have to worry about Saquon Barkley's playing time. Matt Breida cut in on his third down, his passing networks, and that's something that we saw pop up a little bit over the past couple of weeks. But today, Saquon Barkley wasn't even the passing receiving back at any point in this game, which makes no sense to me. Barkley's skill set is, is, is the receiving game. It's getting him involved in one-on-one situations. It's getting him the ball as much as you possibly can if you're a New York Giants. Now, they wind up losing this game, so it does make me wonder, do they rethink this going into next week? Like, why are we not getting Saquon Barkley the ball more? Because I would think that would be a, a natural inclination to have. But yeah, this is, was not good this week and has some reason to be kind of concerned. Not enough to bench him, but concerned about next week. Uh, so what zero did you have in this game? Uh, I'll, I'll admit it. I I chase the upside often with Taysom Hill. Uh, if if I don't have like a a guy who I'm confident is going to get more than like eight points at the tight end position, you know, if I have a real starter, I'm going to play the real starter. But I'm going to take my chance at twenty and roll the dice over you know, getting lucky for eight points at, the, at streaming tight end more often than not. And this is a zero week for Taysom Hill. It is what it is. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I thought he was going to be really involved, especially with no Chris Olave, uh, it, 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 you know, out there today. So I thought they would really turn to Taysom Hill in those packages, and they did. And maybe it's just the fact that he was healthy enough to be active, but not really healthy enough to, for them to want to run him out there. And that, that could have been the case. But this this is the Taysom Hill bandwagon that you sign up for when you play a guy like this. You know, there's a chance he doesn't get utilized that day because there is no rhyme or reason to it or consistency to it whatsoever. It's why I hate ranking Taysom Hill as a fantasy football expert. Um, notes for this game uh, look like DeVito came back down to earth. He got knocked out of this game for a little bit, but he did come back in and uh, played horribly. Uh, Saints defense, which hadn't been fantastic. It's not a bad defense, but they really hadn't been that good either over the past month. Uh, look like their old selves today playing against the New York Giants. So he comes back down to earth. And without Olave, uh, Alva Kamara was the entire offense, both receiving and rushing. He was the guy. So that's the other note there. If Olave's out on Thursday when they take on the Los Angeles Rams, just expect Alvin Kamara to be a top five running back with a heavy dosage of volume. I will say this, though. It seemed like the thinking was the Saints actually expected to have Olave or felt better about Olave's chances on Thursday if he sat out today and chose to go that route. So I think there is some hope that Olave will be ready to go on Thursday for owners out there who had him. 
Rashid Shaheed did play significant snaps in this game. Not too much productivity, but he's somebody who can hit the big play. So he's a little bit of a flyer, should probably be on your rosters. Uh, do you have any other notes in this game? Yeah, I, we talked a little bit about, you know, as Wandale Robinson come, is coming back, you know, yeah. maybe he Good can point. get a role. Uh, and it just feels like, you know, this is a game where they had 38 passing attempts between DeVito and Tyrod Taylor. Uh, and it, it's just the way Dable rolls that if there's nobody that's outright dominating, outright demanding the targets, then it's just going to get spread out. So we had Slayton getting, you know, four receptions, Waller getting four receptions, Wandale getting four receptions. You get two from Saquon, you get two from Bellinger, you get two from Breda, you get Lawrence Cager getting a reception, you get Eric Gray getting out there, you have drops from Hodgins and Hyatt. It's just spread too thin, and it's the same thing when it comes to the rushing. You know, you get Barkley getting nine, you get Breda getting three, you get DeVito getting involved in the ground. It's like none of these guys are differentiating themselves, and as a result, none of them have fantasy value. Yeah, no, that's that's 100% true. Uh, let's go into our afternoon games. We had Washington and the Rams. And uh, the big, this is a big, this is a huge zero for multiple reasons. Sam Howe. Not only does he have a terrible game, and he's somebody who's been consistently a top 12 quarterback because of the volume he had been putting out there, but he got benched, flat out benched. And Washington, in the short amount of time in the fourth quarter, Jacoby Brissett played, almost made a comeback on the Rams with Jacoby Brissett. I don't think this is Sam Howell next week. So not only did you get screwed by Sam Howell this week, if you somehow survived all of that, I think you're going to be looking for another quarterback next week. On top of it. Now, maybe it's just Jacoby Brissett and you go ahead and call it a day, whatever the case may be. But yeah, Sam Howell, big loser here today. And the other one for me was Antonio Gibson, who I did rank as a top 24 running back with no Brian Robinson in the lineup and only four carries for 15 yards, five targets, five catches, 20 yards. That was it. He was out carried by Chris Rodriguez in this game. Not the performance you're hoping for in a spot running back start. Uh, what zeros did you have in this matchup? You know, they're they're not necessarily guys that were uh, on my fantasy lineup, but they're guys that are definitely rostered in a lot of spots to, for a lot of people. Uh, Jahan Dotson and Logan Thomas, you would think in a game where the game script is like this, uh, you know, they're up 13 to nothing at half. You don't get your first commander's point uh, until the third quarter. And that's just a singular touchdown. I believe the one McLaurin. Uh, and then most of them kind of, as you mentioned, came when Jacoby Brissett came into the fourth. Uh, and for the game script to be like that, to where you're at 13 to nothing and then 20 to nothing, and then you know you only get one reception 12 yards out of Jahan Dotson, one reception seven yards out of Logan Thomas. Like These are guys that are playing real snaps, uh, it, but you know <laughs> they can't get the ball functionally. This offense is weird. I don't know. Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, we did have some heroes, though, and we did have some heroes on the commander side of the football. Terry McLaurin, if you played him, you only played him because you felt like you had to. I had him as a top 36 play, but barely. And he has 12 targets for six catches, 141 yards, and a touchdown. And 75% of it came in the fourth quarter with Jacoby Brissett took over. So if it is going to be Jacoby Brissett moving forward, you got to feel pretty good about being able to play Terry McLaurin again with confidence 
starting next week. So that's that's the good news there. The other hero of this game was Kyron Williams. 26 carries, 151 yards, a touchdown, seven targets, five catches, three yards. The other significant thing is that he fumbled the ball twice in this game, but the Rams still went back to him. They didn't decide to put him in the doghouse and bring out Royce Freeman. They still kept the ball with Kyron Williams 95% of the time. So the good news is even Kyron can't get put into the doghouse because of fumbling issues. So you like that and the high performance. So those are my two heroes for this one. What were yours? Yeah, definitely definitely have to have uh, Curtis Samuel in there as well with the two touchdowns. Uh, someone who has periodically been of value and maybe if you were desperate, you kind of went back to the well with Curtis Samuel in a matchup where, you know, the Rams have put up 30 in back-to-back games. So he kind of knew what the game script was going to be. Um, and, and if you did, if you had the balls to do something like that, then you were rewarded with the two touchdowns. Uh, other guy worth mentioning, um, there was a little stretch there, a little month, maybe month and a half, four to six weeks uh, where we were all down on Cooper Cup, wondering kind of what the future holds. We're right back, and I, I think the big thing, and shout out to uh, Sean McVay, shout out to Matthew Stafford, is that not only is Cooper Cup back, uh, but we still feel pretty good about Puka Nakua. He didn't have the biggest day-to-day, but he was you know, still heavily involved in the offense. They made it very clear um, that you know they want him to be getting the ball as well, and you know, I, I think if they can kind of build this offense around Kyron, Cooper, and Puka, that that's pretty deadly and maybe one that some teams in the NFC kind of in that wild card hunt wouldn't really want to see uh, coming at them right now. No, I, I totally agree. That goes right into my note, man, which is the Rams offense continues to roll. Matthew Stafford put up another very solid fantasy performance again this game. Uh, and like you said, Cooper Cup, he's back two games back to back. We're looking like Cooper Cup numbers again. You know, maybe maybe you have a game coming up here where it's back to like Puka Nakua leading the way and Cooper Cup being second fiddle. But the point is the offense is now consolidated around those two in the passing game. So both are in a position that they can both eat in the same game. That That's that's the good news there. So everything trending up for the Rams. Stafford, I think, will continue to be a top 12 quarterback for me over the next two weeks. You're back to having confidence in Cup, which we didn't have a few weeks ago. So that's fantastic. Kyron's an RB1. Puka has to be in your lineup. Like I, You just you feel great about everything on the Rams side. Uh, Washington, like I said, the only note is we're going to see if Jacoby Brissett winds up being the starting quarterback, and I have a feeling that's probably going to be what that is. What other notes, what other notes are you going to have here? I, I just want to keep on the Rams thing and throw it out there. And maybe this only matters from like a gambling perspective, but just to throw it out there, because I think it's exciting from an NFL fan perspective uh, coming up. The Rams have the Saints. I think they'll be favored in that game. They have the Giants. I think they'll be favored in that game. And then the last week of the season, we have the 49ers who certainly are the better team. But by that point, we could be at the point where the Niners are starting to get backups in, whether at the start of the game or at halftime or or you know, regardless, uh, and even early in the season when the Niners and Rams played each other, the Rams played you guys pretty damn close. They did. Um, so yeah, there are seven and seven now, but I, when I, you know, said what I said about, you know, teams kind of in the wild card positioning, not wanting to see the Rams. I, I, I mean it, they, the pathway to 10 and seven, is very real for them right now. It, it, absolutely, it absolutely is. And after Dallas losing today to Buffalo, the 49ers won. We'll see what happens in the Monday night game with the Eagles and the, and the Seattle Seahawks. But if, if the Eagles were to drop that one against Seattle, 
yeah, you're right. It's going to set up real nicely where San Francisco may not be super eager to play a lot of their guys come that last week. So, yeah, Rams are in a position where they potentially could win out. We'll have to see how this goes down. Speaking of San Francisco, that's the next game we're going to talk about, the 49ers and the Arizona Cardinals. There was a zero in this game, and believe it or not, it was on the San Francisco side despite uh, putting up 45 points, and that was Brandon Ayuk. Now, Brandon Ayuk was like a half step away from having a big play in this game, so he did have an opportunity. They just weren't able to connect like they usually do. He was open. He just kind of misstepped and wasn't able to catch the ball, but only five targets, three catches, and 37 yards against the Arizona team that you put 45 points up on, you're hoping for more than that of Brian Ayuk in your fantasy football playoffs. It's tough, but it doesn't change the fact that you're going to play him next week if you're in that position to do so because you're just playing everybody on San Francisco's offense right now. But that's not one you wanted to see. What zero did you have in this game? Oh, uh, you know, it, honestly, it's Kyler Murray. Uh, he didn't look very good. Uh, I, I think that's the big thing. Quarterback is, I think, the position that uh, you know, most matches the, the real world NFL, and that you know, you'll have receivers that look like they're awful. Um, Curtis Samuel is a good example of that. You know, they don't look like the real receivers, but they're still valuable from a fantasy perspective. You know, you have that at running back where they're not great players, but you know, they're going to get in the red zone. Maybe they're not super efficient, but you know, they're getting receptions anyway, so it doesn't matter. It's worrying when a quarterback is playing poorly because uh, even though it wasn't the worst day in the world, he got in the, the end zone, he did run well. It, it, it's worrying to throw two picks to the same player. You know, it's like the guy that you should be worried about already has picked you off once, brought it to the house. It, it, it didn't look good uh, outside of, you know, there were some bright spots late in the game and then throwing to Trey McBride looked good, but otherwise rough. Yeah. Yeah. Rough indeed. Uh, as you can imagine, there were a couple heroes in this game uh, and that one would be CMC coming through when you need him the most 115 rushing yards and a touchdown but then five targets five catches 72 yards and two touchdowns so he gets the hat trick overall and then of course his mate Brock Purdy 242 yards and four passing touchdowns Brock Purdy's been a top five quarterback I think five of the last six weeks, something along those lines. Uh, yeah, so absolutely great heroes for those guys. What are your heroes in this game? Yeah, you have to throw uh, Trey McBride out there. He had a, a great week uh, at the tight end spot, 10 receptions, 100 yards. Um, you know, didn't get in the end zone, but looked pretty good. And then also, uh, you know, you got a good week out of James Conner on the Cardinals side as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, turn this down and get to the notes part of it here. And uh, Marquise Brown aggravated his heel injury again. I know I didn't have him ranked as somebody you were playing anyway, but I, I think you just, you can't you can't have this guy in your lineup at all for the next two weeks. It's he's either not producing or getting injured. It doesn't matter either way. It's just not good for your fantasy football teams. To your point, mentioning Trey McBride, it's been very good for Trey McBride because he's been the only dependable weapon Kyler Murray's been able to go to, and even against a tough San Francisco team. And why I still ranked him, and I was confident in ranking him as a top three player. Uh, top four tight end, excuse me, this week. Uh, just the volume. He's just getting the volume and he's capitalizing it. He, Trey McBride looks every bit the superstar that we thought he would become at the tight end position. It's, it's exciting there. Um, so with Marquise Brown out, that just gives him more volume. Did you have any other notes in this game? Um, No, not really. The I, I'll throw this out there, that the 
Cardinals uh, running back situation just kind of got more confusing. Uh, DeMarcado looked really good uh, when he played, obviously had the big run. Uh, Michael Carter didn't look bad as well, kind of in maybe a more sustainable backup running back to James Conner. Um, but I, since James Conner, you know, went out and played really well, I'm not sure if their backup situation is going to matter. But I, I know Carter was on people's radar when he got to Arizona. Um, so, yeah, uh, unfortunately, not only is this situation muddy kind of behind James Conner, uh, you know, when James Conner is healthy, I don't know if there's a real handcuff to have here either. Yeah, that's actually that's a really good point. If something happens to Connor next week and you're going to the championship weeks, you may not be able to pin down just one guy. Uh, let's go to our next game. The Dallas Cowboys got slaughtered by the Buffalo Bills here after they were feeling themselves. And as you could imagine, in a game in which they get killed, uh, Dak Prescott is one of my zeros. 134 yards, zero touchdowns, interception this game. The guy who's been the QB one, you had to start him. You absolutely had to start him. And the Bills Stevens have not been world beaters since earlier in the season. You had confidence starting Dak Prescott in this game and completely dodged you when you gave him the most, just like in real life Dak Prescott fashion to not be clutch in the most important situation. Yeah, that was bad. And then Stephon Diggs. Now with Diggs, it's a little more explainable. John, Josh Allen here, believe it or not, if you didn't see this game, only threw the ball 15 times. So Diggs only got five targets and four catches and 48 yards. And he's been in the slump for a while. And because he's Stephon Diggs, you can't bench him. You have to keep playing him. And it's been dreadful to do so. But at least in this game, it's a little bit more explainable when Josh Allen only throws the ball 15 times and doesn't even throw for 100 yards in this game. So I'm not putting this on Stephon Diggs heading in the next week, but it's just been a rough ride to have Diggs in the was this week too. Do you have any other zeros in this game? Yeah, I, I, you can kind of say this. Uh, you can go down the list on the Bills receiving group, right? Dalton Kincaid, zero. Gabe Davis, zero. Uh, <laughs> Shakir, zero. Uh, just because we had effectively a, a vintage uh, Josh Allen game. This looked like his rookie year. He was not good throwing the ball. Um, they got it kind of going to a degree late. And what I mean by that is if I recall correctly, uh, he started the game two of seven and we made it to seven and 15. So that is kind of coming on late in that he almost made it back to 50%. So this literally did look like, you know, rookie Josh Allen, where he got you his points mostly on the ground. He did throw the one passing touchdown to um, who will be definitely our number one hero. Yeah, just spoiler alert, that is my note. Like somehow the Bills won this game 31 to 10 with Josh Allen only throwing the ball 50 times. Like, like absolutely weird how this whole thing went down. Uh just a quick update to the knee for Keaton Mitchell does expect to be a season-ending knee injury. So again, it does look like it is going to be Gus Edwards' time again in Baltimore. All right, let's switch gears from our zeros and let's go over to our hero. And I just, it's just one hero. It's James Cook. 25 carries, 179 yards, a touchdown, three targets, two catches, 42 yards, and a receiving touchdown. And I gave James Cook love on the show heading into this week. And I had him ranked as RB13 because the usage has finally flipped in his favor where he is getting involved in the passing game. He is being allowed to get red zone touches, not just Latavius Murray anymore. And we're getting to see his explosive ability with those opportunities come to fruition at the best time of the year. He looked like he looked like his brother in his prime in this game. It was absolutely phenomenal in this one. And James Cook 
is going to be a top 12 running back for me the next two weeks. Especially going against the Chargers next week. Uh, so, yeah, big time on James Cook, big time hero. Do you have any other heroes in this game? No, it's hard to, hard to have any other heroes. I yeah. mean, if you had C.D. Lamb in your lineup and you saw the way Dak Prescott's performing when he got that rushing touchdown, you probably called him a hero. But from this show's perspective, he isn't one. But, hey, he probably bailed out some guys out there. Adam, do you have any other uh, notes that you had for this game on top of it? We, we talked about this uh, off air last night. This is the game that signifies whether or not this Dallas team is legitimate. This is the legitimizer for any Dak uh, Prescott MVP race conversation. This is whether you know we can talk about them as a real contender. Um, and, and we have our answer, and it is negative for both Dak Prescott and the MVP race from my perspective. And, you know, the Cowboys is a legitimate team that I can take seriously going into the playoffs. They have dropped out of that conversation. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. And for those of you out there saying, like, well, wait a minute, they just beat the Philadelphia Eagles last Sunday. They always play the Eagles tough. It's like the one game where Dak doesn't, doesn't, you know, turn into a deer in headlights when it's a big game when they're playing against the Philadelphia Eagles. They always play the Eagles tough. And the Eagles coming off the game against San Francisco, a lot of injuries, a lot of key injuries on that team, and just look fatigued and banged up in general. It's not the same Philadelphia Eagle team we saw earlier in the year, too. Uh, so to me, this was the game It's a Buffalo Bills team It's a team you don't see all the time. It's the only other legitimate team that you play the rest of the season because they do have an easy schedule after this Buffalo game. And uh, they they pounced them. They completely killed them. like we laid out like it, it wasn't even Josh Allen that beat them. Josh Allen wasn't even good in this game. And they got completely and utterly destroyed. And Dak, you know, you sh sh shrunk in the spotlight once again. Mike McCarthy was shrunk in the spotlight once again. Uh, so, yeah, I'm with you. This is hands down now. Uh, should it be Christian McCaffrey? Yeah, it, it should be Christian McCaffrey for MVP. It's going to go to the quarterback. So, to me, it's lights out Brock Purdy, uh, who's going to probably be the MVP right now, especially if they beat Baltimore Christmas night next week. Uh, so, that's, that's going to be a big one. So let's head into our final matchup for this show's purposes, which was the Kansas City Chiefs and the New, and New England Patriots. And a zero here. It's a guy we kind of give a crap to because I won't rank him as number one tight end again. I still rank him number two. Uh, and that was Travis Kelsey. Seven targets, five catches, only 28 yards. Had a bad touchdown drop in this game. Got a little bit banged up at the end. It sounds like he's going to be okay. But it's, it's, it's not been great for Travis Kelsey. And I know for a tight end perspective, he's still been very, very good. But the difference is you didn't draft him to be a very good tight end. You draft him in the first round. You drafted him to be your number one wide receiver. And he continues to not only not be that, but seemingly regress over these past few weeks. Especially as our hero, Rashi Rice, who we'll get to in a second, gets more and more involved. So what other zero did you have in this game? Um, Man, it, it, it's tough just in that there's not a lot of guys who are on my fantasy radar uh, on either of these teams, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I guess you could say Pop Douglas is like the closest thing to another zero. He started off the game pretty quick, um, but, you know, you didn't see a ton of him throughout the game, but he was really only like a fringe flex candidate for you, so... Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people were excited about Zeke this week, and he didn't, he didn't have really that great of a game either. Uh, it wasn't absolutely horrible, but it wasn't a great game that you were hoping for with the volume 
that he had been seeing. Um, so I, I mean, I, I only had him ranked, I think, at RB 22, but there were some people that had him actually ranked as a top 12 uh, running back. So some expectations were all over the place there. Uh, let's go to heroes. Rashi Rice is establishing himself as three. I think three of the last four games now, he's scored a touchdown. He's gotten double-digit targets. He's, you know, getting all those catches. He's got a high catch rate, not necessarily big plays down the field because he hasn't cooked 100 yards except for the Vegas game, you know, three, three, four weeks ago. But he is a guy who should be considered a top 20 receiver right now and for the next two weeks because he's becoming the number one pass catcher for the Kansas City Chiefs and for Patrick Mahomes. He's established himself. Nine targets, nine catches, 91 yards, and a touchdown today. Uh, did you have another hero in this game? Yeah, I I got to give one, first of all, to Hunter Henry, who is another one of those guys who has been a streamer-type tight end. Uh, he's been kind of heating up a little bit recently, so I would not be shocked at all if he was in people's lineups this week. Uh, and he had, you know, on a bad offensive day from the Patriots for the most part, you know, pretty good week. You know, 66 yards and a touchdown, seven receptions at the tight end position. That's going to uh, be a big part of winning you a game more often than not, especially if you're in a half point or full point PPR. Uh, another guy I want to mention, you get 100 all purpose yards out of CEH. Uh, you get a touchdown. Um, you feel pretty good about that. And that's another guy who are probably only flexing and not having the highest of expectations out of. Yeah, no, that's that's a great one. And you got surprising points out of him. We will see. Uh, Andy Reid did say that, you know, Pacheco had surgery on his shoulder, but their expectation was, or at least their hope was, I should say, uh, that he'd be back next week. But we'll see if that actually does, in fact, come to fruition. I mean, things, things can change. We have to see if he actually gets out there in the practice field or not. So maybe you have one more week of Clyde Edwards Lair, Jerry McKinnon as flex plays. Maybe we're back to Pacheco. We'll have to find out. Uh, yeah, the note I had was about Hunter Henry, where his usage has stabilized with Bailey Zappi at quarterback. Um, and, and in today's game, where you had Pop Douglas, who's been their number one receiver out there, and you had Devontae Parker out there, you had the weapons for the Patriots out there. Not that they're a lot of weapons, but <laughs> you had the actual starters out there. And Hunter Henry was once again the leading receiver for the team. So there does seem to be a a connection here with Bailey Zappi and Hunter Henry, where Henry, at least in my opinion, becomes usable. I don't know if you're going to feel great about it, trusting about it, but he uh, does feel usable now with Bailey Zappi looking his way on a consistent basis. So that, that's a big note for me here too. Um, the only other one, like I, I, while I laid out Zeke Elliott was disappointing, this is also a very good Chiefs defense, especially against the run this year, especially with Nick Bolton back into the lineup. And he still by far had all the touches. He was still a bell cow. So Zeke, to me, if Ronjie Stevenson is still not back next week, he still should be considered a volume-based RB2. Uh, you have any other notes to this game? I, I just want to say real quick, since we're, we're wrapping up here, how annoying is it that you know they paid money to bring in Mike Kosicki this year, <laughs> and he's playing the third tight end behind Pharaoh Brown, and I get that he's not the typical tight end they would have you know made maybe needed to develop some kind of big slot role for him but like why sign him if you don't have a plan on how you're going to use him uh they signed janu smith and didn't use him do they they really want to have their tight end whose name we we won't say uh and gronk duo back uh but they don't seem to understand how they did it the first time because 
you know, Janu Smith would have been good in the role of, of said tight end that we don't talk about. And, you know, there are things that he did that you could do with Mike Kosicki, maybe not the H-back type stuff, but definitely the big slot stuff. Um, and they just had no plan on how to use him this season. No, and, and Mike Kosicki doesn't block, so he's not going to be out there for that purpose. I think they didn't utilize him correctly. They didn't go out of their way to try to utilize him correctly. And then because the offensive line had been so banged up and so bad this entire season, you had guys like Farrell Brown or whoever coming in and playing a lot more because they, they generally needed extra blockers back there where they go to tight end sets. So yeah, no, it's definitely frustrating. The Patriots don't use anybody, right? Bill Belichick's on his way out anyway. So at least we only have a few more games to see this and wait to see if Belichick ruins another fantasy team for us somewhere down the road hopefully he does not uh but that is going to do it for today's show i hope you guys enjoyed it and if you're here today i hope that means you're having success and we'll continue that success on wednesday night at 9 30 right here back on our youtube channel live make sure you watch us live because that's where you can ask your star sick questions on the spot we get to every single one that we possibly can you can subscribe hit the bell notification get notified whenever we do have new content available to you we'll be back on thursday as well at 9.30 with Brian Scott and the Injured List Podcast. I believe we get our betting expert Chaz Filardi back for that show, so we'll be a full injury inquiry and NFL cashing bet episode before we head into the Christmas weekend. So we will not be having a Heroes and Zeros recap next Sunday because, well, it will be Christmas Eve, and the rest of us have families that we want to attend to, too. So we won't be having that, but we do have our two shows leading into the weekend, and of course, we'll have our full preview heading into Week 17 for your champion ship so give us a follow on social media at billy up mdff show on x mdff show everywhere else adam where can we follow you yeah at larue adam it's on the screen if you are watching uh, either live or uh on youtube later um yeah at larue adam on x or twitter whichever you prefer um, yeah check in Excellent. And you also just follow me as an individual, Dan Mater FF. I usually have some content and rankings and articles on there as well. We'll see you guys real soon. Good luck.